Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, not only your test, but it's very possible to Um Okay. So we're just doing picks, right? Yeah, but just do you mean, do you mean like best record, or do you mean like who's gonna no, like who do we think is gonna be the final matchup? Probably. Okay. All right, bet. Hold on one sec. Yes. All right. Oh no, he didn't. Oh no, they went. Okay. Grab it. Um, we're we'll do the let's tap in, not the welcome to tap yeah. in. With- and we should right. probably acknowledge that it's been a while. All right, I'll see you guys. Like Bet. Wait, acknowledge what? We'll just be like, hey guys, uh, been busy or something like that. Maybe. I'll just oh, okay. So just so we acknowledge that, like we've been gone for a couple months. All right, but yeah, you can. Uh, you can start it. Oh no, I'll start. Right. My name is D Millard. Um, I'm already. My name is D Millard. My name is Blake Smith. And let's tap in. Hey, welcome back, guys. I know it's been a couple months since the last podcast, but both me and Dean have been busy sort of getting getting back into the flow of college courses, midterms, et cetera. But we're glad to be back, and we got a special topic today. With the NBA season that started a couple days ago, we are going to now dictate who we think is going to come out of both the Eastern and Western Conference and have the finals matchup this year. What do you think, Dean? Hey, man. Let's start with the West. Western Conference, obviously the Warriors won it last year. They beat the Celtics. It would be easy to say the Warriors, man, but now that I think about it, and I think I said this in the previous episode, I got the Denver Nuggets, man. I mean, a healthy Denver Nuggets team is what no team in the West or the league, respectively, would like to see. I mean, we know that that Jokic, the back-to-back MVP winner in the past two seasons, it's going to be problematic for the rest of the league dealing with him. And him being able to will the Nuggets to the to the playoffs last season and at least put up a run. I know that the Warriors kind of baked the Nuggets, I'm not going to lie. But without Jamal Murray and some other key pieces healthy, I think that this Nuggets team, when they're, they, have, they have their full unit, it's going to be dangerous. I definitely like that pick. I think they're one of the – they're in my top three teams coming out of the West. I think the hierarchy of the West for me consists of – the LA Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, and then the Denver Nuggets with the possibility of the New Orleans Pelicans sneaking up into that top four, top three range. But for me, it really comes down to the Clippers and Warriors and what they both have um, over, I think, the Nuggets more so and more so over the Pelicans is that they have depth. We saw the Clippers against the Lakers. They have a dang near five two starting lineups. You have John Wall coming off the bench. You have Luke Kennard coming off the bench. Then you have like Zubak and you have Powell. I know they can start, but they have so many different rotations that they can run. They have so many playable pieces that I think what benefits them is that they're going to be healthy. I think they can afford to sit Kawhi and John Wall and Paul George during the season because their problem has been injuries. And I think since they've had, they built such a great team around these guys, I think that they'll come into the playoffs healthy. And last time we saw Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs healthy, he was averaging 30 points, shooting dang near 60% from the field. And then with my other pick, the other question is the Warriors. We see the, they have sort of the perfect blend of experience with Steph, with Clay, with Dre. But then they have the young, they have the youth with uh, Kaminga, Moody, Poole, 
uh, Wiseman. So it's going to be interesting. But me personally, I think it's the Clippers' year. And it's not anything against the Warriors. I just think it's so hard to go back to back to the finals. And I think the, I think the Clippers have that sort of hunger. Like it's been the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard experience for four years. This is the fourth year now. Um, mm-hmm. The first year they failed in the bubble. The second year they feel, they probably felt like if Kawhi was healthy, they were going to the finals and they could have beat Milwaukee. Last year, Kawhi was injured the whole season. So I feel like they're sort of like, you know, they're sort of, their time's running out. And I think they'll play with a sense of urgency. And I think, there, I think they're going to prevail. Yeah, you make a good point. I think regardless, you know, you always have to, whenever there's an NBA championship crown each season, the following season, you have to consider that team to run it back and just look at their chances. We know that it's really difficult in this league, especially today, to run it back and, and get back to the finals and even so with this Warriors team, my question to you, Blake, is what do you think? Have they improved or you think there's a slight drop off in their roster and their talent? I think they naturally are going to improve because I don't see Steph slowing down. I think Clay, after sort of getting that year back, or getting that half a year under his belt after being out for two years, he'll sort of shake the rust off. Draymond's going to be Draymond. He's going to be great defensively. He knows how to fucking he knows how to work with Steph Clay perfectly. Then you have the then the rest of their rosters young pieces that are only they can, can only get better. Last year their problem was like they didn't have great center play. Now they have Wiseman who's going to learn and get better this year. You have Wiseman go, Wiseman going to be scary, man. Yeah, he's going to be nice. He has all the skill sets to be a good big in the NBA, better than Kevon Looney who's been who's been great for them. You have Jordan Poole, who's just naturally going to get better. If he slides into that six-man role, he could run the second, second unit and sort of be the leading candidate for six-man of the year. Andrew Wiggins has that sort of got that competence. He has that mojo, has the new contract. Now he can play freely, um, continue his growth that he made in the finals. Then you have Moody and Kaminga, and all they really need is they both have a ton of talent. All they really are lacking is reps. And with that during the season, especially with Steph, Clay, and Dre getting older, they're going to probably look to sit them, sort of rest them. Because for the Warriors, to be honest, the regular season doesn't matter as much to them as much as the postseason. So what they're going to do, what I think they're going to do is I think they're going to use this regular season to help develop and make their team better with the younger pieces. So come postseason, Steph, Clay, and Dre are rested and they're healthy, but then they also have players that know how to play in the playoffs and that know how to play NBA basketball. So I personally think um, they're going to get better. But I have a question for you. Yes, let's hear it. How long do you think how, – how long do you think it will take for Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. with the additions of Bruce Brown um, to get acclimated into the Nuggets so they start sort of gelling? Because sort of similar, like Jamal Murray was out for last year, Michael Porter Jr. is out for a year. And I know they played together, but it does take natural time to get back to the flow. So how long do you think that process is going to take for the Nuggets? Well, let me start here, man. Bruce Brown is a bucket. And we've seen this in the past with him with Brooklyn and him stepping up and him, him asserting himself on offense. We know that he's very versatile with his offensive bag and things like that. He's athletic and transition. And I think we're seeing that in these first few games for the Nuggets. So I think, first of all, he's a great addition to this Nuggets team. And I think he adds some, some, some like role player type star power because he has that role of, of being aggressive on offense and getting his shots. With that being said, I think something you said really stands out to me. Even though, you know, it's been some time that these, these, this big three has played together, they've played together before. And I think that's a big component. You look at the Clippers, and I don't want to compare, but 
I mean, I'm going to compare here. You have Kawhi, PG, and John Wall. Sure, Kawhi and PG have played together before, but with the third John Wall, they haven't played together before. So obviously there's going to be some time to find, kind of get that chemistry. Who's going to take the shots? Thing like Things like that. With this Nuggets team, MPJ, Jamal Murray, and Jokic have played together. And I think they're different players in their own ways. So I think that they complement each other's games well. We know that Jokic, what he can do in the paint from the arc, facilitator, he, he creates for his teammates. He's very unselfish. And that's why a lot of people, including yourself, give him the edge over other centers like Embiid and things like that because of what he, what, what he can do for his team and his teammates. Jamal Murray. I hope people didn't forget how great Jamal Murray is. We saw what he did in the bubble. We saw how he turns it up during the regular season and also takes it to another level during the postseason. So we know that he's going to bring it back. Even if he hasn't had the hottest start, you know, early in the season, he's going to turn it up, you know, rest up a little bit. We know that injuries can play a factor, but when he's healthy, he's a threat. And then Michael Porter Jr., a lot of people are picking MPJ as the most improved candidate or recipient this season. So I'm really excited for this big three, even though I'm picking the Nuggets. Clearly, I'm a little biased in what I'm saying. But honestly, I really think that this big three won't have too many issues bonding, getting this chemistry right. I probably give them within the next 10 games, I think they'll really you'll really start to see them get their groove. Yeah, one thing about the Nuggets that I like is that the problem was Aaron Gordon is best when he's sort of like a 3 and D role player, when his main focus is being like the defensive stopper because he's great defensively. But in the past couple of years with the injuries, he's had to learn, he had to be a second option. Now he doesn't have to be that. Now he can slide back into his sort of be the fourth option on offense. And then you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., whose roles are to get buckets and to help play off Jokic, which I think is huge for them because I know sometimes Aaron Gordon struggled with sort of balancing being like that stout defender, but also having to do it on both ends of the floor. But I think now it's a good time to sort of transition to the Eastern Conference, and I think you can give your pick, Dean. Man, I think it's a tale of two teams, and I think we always put them up next to each other. I'm going to go with – well, I'll say it's between the Celtics and the Bucks for me, and I think this, these are popular picks for a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with the Celtics team, man. They have retooled. They have not only kept key pieces, but they have added stars. I mean, sure, you know, with that coaching situation and e- in Ime, um, you know, his great leadership last year will definitely be a big loss. But I think the talent on this team will speak volumes with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, Blake Griffin, the bench, another big man. And then just the emergence of the younger guys like Peyton Pritchard. We saw what Derek White could do, Grant Williams and these role players. And then Jason Tatum and and Jalen Brown. I mean, I just think arguably the best tandem in the NBA. So I'm picking the Celtics team, but I want to hear what you have to say first. I similarly, it's coming down to the Celtics and – Bucks for me, but I do want to say before I go into who I pick between the Celtics and the Buck, as un as unpopular as these two teams are, I do think that if the Sixers and or Nets get it together, they can slide into that upper echelon tier of the Eastern Conference. But as right now, without a doubt, yeah. But right now, without being without seeing those teams sort of play together as much, like I can't, I just I can't say that over the Bucks and the Celtics. But me. I have to go with the Bucks. I think what you see from them is that they have that two, they have just great versatility within their lineups. They can play big with Bobby Porter, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. They can play smaller, slide Giannis to the five, 
then when Pat Connaughton's healthy, you have shooters around Giannis. I think what they do is they do they do they play great on both ends. They have stout perimeter defense with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, but then they also have great interior presence with Brooke Lopez and Giannis and Bobby Portis can help be a rim protector. And what they what they have as similar to the Celtics is they have continuity. This team has been playing together for the past four to five years. They sort of have that confidence of they won the championship. And what they what sneaky motivation they have is. Chris Middleton's on the other side of 30. So is Drew Holiday. So they're sort of similar to the Clippers. Like, they won their championship, but their time to get more championships with this core is running out, and I think they're starting to realize that. And I think what they do is what they do so great is what Giannis is, is Giannis is such an unstoppable force, but they put great shooters around Giannis. And what we saw with the Celtics in the – Bucks last year is that with Chris Middleton out, they lacked that secondary score. And I think what they had to slide Drew Holiday into that. And I think this year with the with Chris Middleton back, we saw what Chris Middleton can do in the playoffs. I think that puts them over the hump against the Celtics. Although I think it would be another great six to seven game series. And I'm not saying that the Bucks are definitively better, but I think this year with their full roster, a full year to get back healthy, I think I'd take the Bucks. But like I said before, the Celtics and then possibly the Nets and Sixers both all have a chance to get in there because the Eastern Conference is loaded this year. No, I agree, man. I think these four teams are definitely the standouts for me as well. I definitely, you know, we're, we're both from the Philadelphia area. We support our, our home team in the Sixers. And I'm excited to see what Harden's been doing, if his, his aggression and his offensive bag, his assertiveness on offense. But it's quite concerning. I know it's early, but it's quite concerning that he's able to put up these numbers and beat the one game puts up 40-some points, and they're still losing games. And I, I don't want to place the blame and point the finger, but a lot of people are starting to point the finger at Doc Rivers and being able to close out games. And in crunch time, you know, in after the, the second half and things like that, being able to, to execute and things like that. And then the, it also falls on Embiid. I mean, not scoring any points. Starting off with four, 15 in the in the first half and then in the second half not scoring any points from a superstar and an and a MVP candidate and finalist of last season. Argument are like, you know, arguably the MVP in a lot of people's eyes, but not being able to even put up a basket or score in the second half in a, like a game where it, it could be a momentum shift and getting that first one of the season. So I, I have my concerns with the Sixers there. The Nets, we know what's going on with the Nets saga with that big three. We know that KD is going to be KD, but dealing with Kyrie and and you know his consistency and then Ben Simmons and him being able to to get his mental right, I think there's a lot of questions for both of these teams. So I do agree that it is between the Bucks and the Celtics, and I'm not discount. I know I picked the Celtics. I'm not discounting this Bucks team. I mean Giannis, we like you talked about in that playoff series against the Celtics last season. In the playoffs, Chris Middleton's absence obviously hurts this Bucks team. We know what he can do. We know what he did when they won the championship two years ago. However, in his absence, Giannis stepped up to the plate. 44 points one game, 25 in game seven. That's 44 in game six, 27 in, in game seven. Like, And it's close games. I mean, not, not really too big of blowouts. But like you said, with Chris Middleton's presence, we know that that would be a much different game. And who knows, that might be the Bucks playing the Warriors in the championship. So I'm really excited to see between both of these teams who's going to come out of the East. But I am staunch and I believe 
these two teams. So I'm excited to see what the outcome is. Yeah, me too. And just to get back to your point about the Sixers and sort of the Nets as well, I think what separates the Celtics and the Bucks is that they these cores have been together so long that they sort of have the winners intangibles that these that the Brooklyn Nets and the Sixers haven't been able to build with each other. There's always been a story about James Harden and Joel Embiid in the playoffs. Can they do it? Do they have the intangibles to win? But now, we, but we know with the Celtics and the Bucks, they've been together and they've been able to make far runs. With the Nets, they've been able to do it separately, but they've never had the they've never really had the chance to build the cohesion, have the winners intangibles together as a unit. So I think those are I think that's really what's separating the Bucks and the Celtics. Just to sort of clear that point off, but um, yeah, for sure, I think the East is going to be great. And what the beauty of the East is this year is that I think that. There are not, there are not going to be many easy teams to play in the playoffs. Like usually in the East, it's like if you get the one to two to the three, the, the first four seeds, it's like, okay, like the first four seeds are far and away better than everyone else and that they're, they're going to get easy rounds. But in the East this year, it's like you can get the first seed and pay Chicago first round, which is you probably win, but that's not an easy task. Then, you have, then you have Cleveland. Then you have Toronto. And then you have Miami. It's like there's not good. I think those are the best eight teams in the Eastern Conference, and there's no easy – like those aren't easy wins. So I think this is going to shape up to be a great year just with the competitive competitiveness of both the Eastern and Western Conference when you think about the emergence that – the um, predicted emergence of the Pelicans. Then you have the Clippers being healthy this year. Then you have the Nuggets being healthy. Then you have the Timberwolves adding Rudy Gobert. Then you have the Blazers having Damian Lillard back. You can never count out LeBron and AD. So it's just like there's so many good teams in the league. It's like it's going to be a really exciting year. That Pelicans team is going to be scary, especially with Zion being back uh, and then their success last year in the postseason without him. So it's always gratifying for a team to make a little run and surprise some people in the postseason without one of their key or star players. So to get a player back, and have a similar lineup with those key pieces, I think it's very exciting. It's like a, it's like a the light at the end of the tunnel for these teams. Uh, Blake, this has been a great episode. Any final thoughts you'd like to share about who do you think is going to be what's like what's the most exciting and riveting, and what is the better conference this year in your opinion? This year, I have to say, I'm going to go with the East just because we have a lot of new teams, teams that were sort of new last year that came or up and coming. And now that they had that year of cohesion, then we had the obviously Brooklyn Nets experience. You have James Harden, um, Joel Embiid and the Sixers. I think the East is sort of new with the better teams while the West is like, they're the sort of similar teams that are going to be up top, even though they are, even though they are more probably more explosive. So I'm excited for the East to see how the East shapes out. Cause honestly, like we said, like there's a good, four teams that we can think come out the east while in the west i think it's really coming down to two teams but then you could you can two to three teams so i'm gonna go with the east i agree man i got the east i think there's been a shift of power i think there's even the teams that we haven't talked about in the east that i think have gotten better and improved the hawks i mean the hawks in past years i didn't even mention the hawks we We didn't even mention the hawks man it's going to be interesting with the addition of Dejounte murray we know that the heat are going to be who they are we know that the Hornets suffered a big loss with LaMelo and things like that. But then you have the Knicks, slight improvement, stealing from the West and getting Jalen Brunson and things like that. 
not to discount the West. The West is still going to be competitive. But like you said, I think we can kind of limit it down to a few top-tier teams. But the West also has some sleepers as well. The Memphis Grizzlies. We know that John Morant has put the team on his back. He's continuing to develop as a leader, offensive threat, defensive threat, shot blocker, things like that. The Mavericks. The Mavericks went out. Sure, they lost Jalen Brunson. They added more length. They have a little more stretch bigs and things like that. Three-point shooting. We know that Luka's going to be Luka and things like that. We know that they still have Dinwiddie, who's a sniper from three. So very exciting overall for the league. Um, I'm not even going to mention my Lakers. Hopefully they can pull it together. But, you know, I think that, you know, we're just going to see. These are, like we said, everyone, these are early picks. We may, we'll, we'll let you all know in a later episode if our picks do change. But use this episode as a reference. You've heard it here first. These are our picks for the 2022-2023 season. Blake, any last words? Um, one quick last word is don't forget about the young talent in the league. We're talking about the Eastern Conference. We have the Detroit Pistons that have great young talent, great young core. That could be an up-and-coming roster. You have the Pacers with Benedict Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton. Some fun teams to watch. And then you have the Magic with Paulo, Jalen Suggs. So although we were talking about sort of the top-tier teams, Make sure you guys watch those younger younger teams that could be the future of the NBA. So Amen. that's it for me. And go support our TikTok as well. We're trying to post more content on our TikTok. It's the same as our Instagram handle, at TappinDNB, DNB, Dean and Blake. It's been a good one, man. Take care. It's been a good one. Glad right. to be back. Peace. Peace. Against who? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. Yeah, that'll be your test, but it's very possible. Um, okay, so we're just doing picks, right? Yeah, we're just do doing you mean, do you mean like best record, or do you mean like who's gonna no, like who do we think is gonna be the final matchup? Probably, okay, all right, bet. Hold on one sec. Yeah, all right. Oh, no, he didn't. Oh, no, they're gonna go. Um, Rim, we'll do the let's tap in, not the welcome to tap yeah. in. With that. And we should uh, probably acknowledge that it's been a while. All right, I'll see you guys. Bet. Wait, acknowledge what? We'll just be like, hey guys, uh, been busy or something like that. Maybe I'll just oh, okay. So, just so we acknowledge that, like, we've been gone for a couple months. All right, but yeah, you can uh, you can start it. Oh, no, I'll start. Right. My name is D. Millard. Um, I thought already. My name is D. Millard. My name is Blake Smith. And let's tap in. Hey, welcome back, guys. I know it's been a couple months since the last podcast, but both me and Dean have been busy sort of getting getting back into the flow of college courses, midterms, et cetera. But we're glad to be back, and we got a special topic today. With the NBA season that started a couple days ago, we are going to now dictate who we think is going to come out of both the Eastern and Western Conference and have the finals matchup this year. What do you think, Dean? Hey, man. Let's start with the West. Western Conference, obviously the Warriors won it last year. They beat the Celtics. It would be easy to say the Warriors, man, but now that I think about it, and I think I said this in a previous episode, I got the Denver Nuggets, man. I mean, a healthy Denver Nuggets team is what no team in the West or the league, respectively, would like to see. I mean, we know that, that Jokic, the back-to-back MVP winner in the past two seasons, it's going to be problematic for the rest of the league dealing with him. And him being able to will the Nuggets to the, to the playoffs last season 
and at least put up a run. I know that the Warriors kind of baked the Nuggets, I'm not going to lie, but without Jamal Murray and some other key pieces healthy, I think that this Nuggets team, when they're, they, have, they have their full unit, it's going to be dangerous. I definitely like that pick. I think they're one of the – they're in my top three teams coming out of the West. I think the hierarchy of the West for me consists of the L.A. Clippers, the Golden State Warriors, and then the Denver Nuggets with the possibility of the New Orleans Pelicans sneaking up into that top four, top three range. But for me, it really comes down to the Clippers and Warriors and what they both have. Um, over, I think the Nuggets more so and more so over the Pelicans is that they have depth. We saw the Clippers against the Lakers. They have a dang near five, two starting lineups. You have John Wall coming off the bench. You have Luke Kennard coming off the bench. Then you have like Zubak and you have Powell. I know they can start, but they have so many different rotations that they can run. They have so many playable pieces that I think what benefits them is that they're going to be healthy. I think they can afford to sit Kawhi and John Wall and Paul George during the season because their problem has been injuries. And I think since they've had, they built such a great team around these guys, I think that they'll come into the playoffs healthy. And last time we saw Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs healthy, he was averaging 30 points, shooting dang near 60% from the field. And then with my other pick, the other question is the Warriors. We see the, they have sort of the perfect blend of experience with Steph, with Clay, with Dre. But then they have the young, they have the youth with uh, Kaminga, Moody, Poole, uh, Wiseman. So it's going to be interesting. But me personally, I think it's the Clippers year. And it's not anything against the Warriors. I just think it's so hard to go back to back to the finals. And I think the, I think the Clippers have that sort of hunger. Like it's been the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard experience for four years. This is the fourth year now. Um, mm-hmm. The first year they failed in the bubble. The second year they feel they probably felt like if Kawhi was healthy, they were going to the finals and they could have beat Milwaukee. Last year, Kawhi was injured the whole season. So I feel like they're sort of like, you know, they're sort of, their time's running out and I think they'll play with a sense of urgency and I think they're, I think they're going to prevail. Yeah, you make a good point. I think Regardless, you know, you always have to, whenever there's an NBA championship crowned each season, the following season, you have to consider that team to run it back and just look at their chances. We know that it's really difficult in this league, especially today, to run it back and and get back to the finals and even. So with this Warriors team, my question to you, Blake, is what do you think? Have they improved or you think there's a slight drop off in their roster and their talent? I think they naturally are going to improve because I don't see Steph slowing down. I think Clay, after sort of getting that year back, or getting that half a year under his belt after being out for two years, he'll sort of shake the rust off. Draymond's going to be Draymond. He's going to be great defensively. He knows how to fucking he knows how to work with Steph Clay perfectly. Then you have the then the rest of their rosters, young pieces that are only they can, can only get better. Last year, their problem was like they didn't have great center play. Now they have Wiseman, who's going to learn and get better this year. Wiseman going to be scary, man. Yeah, he's going to be nice. He has all the skill sets to be a good big in the NBA, better than Kevon Looney, who's been who's been great for them. You have Jordan Poole, who's just naturally going to get better. If he slides into that six-man role, he can run the second, second unit and sort of be the leading candidate for six-man of the year. Andrew Wiggins has that sort of got that confidence. He has that mojo, has the new contract. Now he can play freely, um, continue his growth that he made in the finals. Then you have Moody and Kaminga, and all they really need is they both have a ton of talent. All they really are lacking is reps. 
And with that during the season, especially with Steph, Clay, and Dre getting older, they're going to probably look to sit them, sort of rest them. Because for the Warriors, to be honest, the regular season doesn't matter as much to them as much as the postseason. So what they're going to do, what I think they're going to do is I think they're going to use this regular season to help develop and make their team better with the younger pieces. So come postseason, Steph, Clay, and Dre are rested and they're healthy, but then they also have players that know how to play in the playoffs and that know how to play NBA basketball. So I personally think um, they're going to get better. But I have a question for you. Yes, let's hear it. How long do you think – how how long do you think it will take for Jamal Murray, Michael Porter Jr. with the additions of Bruce Brown um, to get acclimated into the Nuggets so they start sort of gelling? Because sort of similar, like Jamal Murray was out for last year, Michael Porter Jr. is out for a year. And I know they played together, but it does take natural time to get back to the flow. So how long do you think that process is going to take for the Nuggets? Well, let me start here, man. Bruce Brown is a bucket. And we've seen this in the past with him with Brooklyn and him stepping up and him, him asserting himself on offense. We know that he's very versatile with his offensive bag and things like that. He's athletic in transition. And I think we're seeing that in these first few games for the Nuggets. So I think, first of all, he's a great addition to this Nuggets team. And I think he adds some, some, some like role player type star power because he has that role of, of being aggressive on offense and getting his shots. With that being said, I think something you said really stands out to me. Even though, you know, it's been some time that these, these, this big three has played together, they've played together before. And I think that's a big component. You look at the Clippers, and I don't want to compare, but, I mean, I'm going to compare here. You have Kawhi, PG, and John Wall. Sure, Kawhi and PG have played together before, but with the third John Wall, they haven't played together before. So, obviously, there's going to be some time to find kind of get that chemistry. Who's going to take the shots? Thing like Things like that. With this Nuggets team, MPJ, Jamal Murray, and Jokic have played together. And I think they're different players in their own ways. So I think that they complement each other's games well. We know that Jokic, what he can do in the paint from the arc, facilitator, he, he creates for his teammates. He's very unselfish. And that's why a lot of people, including yourself, give him the edge over other centers like Embiid and things like that because of what he, what, what he can do for his team and his teammates. Jamal Murray. I hope people didn't forget how great Jamal Murray is. We saw what he did in the bubble. We saw how he turns it up during the regular season and also takes it to another level during the postseason. So we know that he's going to bring it back. Even if he hasn't had the hottest start, you know, early in the season, he's going to turn it up, you know, rest up a little bit. We know that injuries can play a factor, but when he's healthy, he's a threat. And then Michael Porter Jr., a lot of people are picking MPJ as the most improved candidate or recipient this season. So I'm really excited for this big three, even though I'm picking the Nuggets. Clearly I'm a little biased in what I'm saying, but honestly, I really think that this big three won't have too many issues bonding, getting this chemistry right. I probably give them within the next 10 games. I think they'll really, you'll really start to see them get their groove. Yeah. One thing about the Nuggets that I like is that the problem was Aaron Gordon is best when he's sort of like a three and D role player, when his main focus is being like the defensive stopper because he's great defensively. But in the past couple of years with the injuries, he's had to learn, he had to be a second option. Now he doesn't have to be that. Now he can slide back into his sort of be the fourth option on offense. And then you have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., whose roles are to get buckets and to help play off Jokic, which I think is huge for them because I know sometimes Aaron Gordon struggled with sort of balancing being like that stout defender, but also having to do it on both ends of the floor. But I think now it's a good time to sort of transition to the Eastern Conference, and I think you can give your pick, Dean. Man, I think it's a tale of two teams, and I think we always put them up next to each other. I'm going to go with 
Well, I'll say it's between the Celtics and the Bucks for me. And I think this these are popular picks for a lot. Uh, I'm going to go with the Celtics team, man. They have retooled. They have not only kept key pieces, but they have added stars. I mean, sure, you know, with that coaching situation and e- in Ime, um, you know, his great leadership last year will definitely be a big loss. But I think the talent on this team will speak volumes with the addition of Malcolm Brogdon, Blake Griffin, the bench, another big man. And then just the emergence of the younger guys like Peyton Pritchard. We saw what Derek White could do, Grant Williams and these role players. And then Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown. I mean, I just think arguably the best tandem in the NBA. So I'm picking the Celtics team, but I want to hear what you have to say first. I similarly, it's coming down to the Celtics and um, Bucks for me. But I do want to say, before I go into who I pick between the Celtics and the Bucks, as, un, as unpopular as these two teams are, I do think that if the Sixers and or Nets get it together, they can slide into that upper echelon tier of the Eastern Conference. But as right now, without a doubt. yeah, but right now without being, without seeing those teams sort of play together as much, like I can't, I just I can't say that over the Bucks and the Celtics. But me, I have to go with the Bucks. I think what you see from them is that they have that two. They have just great versatility within their lineups. They can play big with Bobby Porter, Giannis, Brooke Lopez. They can play smaller, slide Giannis to the five. Then when Pat Connaughton's healthy, you have shooters around Giannis. I think what they do is they do they do they play great on both ends. They have stout perimeter defense with Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, but then they also have great interior presence with Brooke Lopez and Giannis. And Bobby Portis can help be a rim protector. And what they what they have as similar to the Celtics is they have continuity. This team has been playing together for the past four to five years. They sort of have that confidence of they won the championship. And what they what sneaky motivation they have is. Chris Middleton's on the other side of 30. So is Drew Holiday. So they're sort of similar to the Clippers. Like, they won their championship, but their time to get more championships with this core is running out, and I think they're starting to realize that. And I think what they do is what they do so great is what Giannis is, is Giannis is such an unstoppable force, but they put great shooters around Giannis. And what we saw with the Celtics and the um, – Bucks last year is that with Chris Middleton out, they lacked that secondary score. And I think what they had to slide Drew Holiday into that. And I think this year with the with Chris Middleton back, we saw what Chris Middleton can do in the playoffs. I think that puts them over the hump against the Celtics. Although I think it would be another great six to seven game series. And I'm not saying that the Bucks are definitively better, but I think this year with their full roster, a full year to get back healthy, I think I'd take the Bucks. But like I said before, the Celtics and then possibly the Nets and Sixers both all have a chance to get in there because the Eastern Conference is loaded this year. No, I agree, man. I think these four teams are definitely the standouts for me as well. I definitely, you know, we're, we're both from the Philadelphia area. We support our, our home team in the Sixers. And I'm excited to see what Harden's been doing of his, his aggression and his offensive bag, his assertiveness on offense. But it's quite concerning. I know it's early, but it's quite concerning that he's able to put up these numbers and beat the one game puts up 40 some points and they're still losing games. And I, I don't want to place the blame and point the finger, but a lot of people are starting to point the finger at Doc Rivers and being able to close out games and in crunch time, you know, in after the, the second half and things like that, being able to, to, 
execute and things like that. And then it also falls on Embiid. I mean, not scoring any points, starting off with 15 in the, in the first half. And then in the second half, not scoring any points from a superstar and and an MVP candidate and finalist of last season argument are like, you know, arguably the MVP in a lot of people's eyes, but not being able to even put up a basket or score in the second half in like a game where it, it could be a momentum shift and getting that first win of the season. So, I, I have my concerns with the Sixers there. The Nets, we know what's going on with the Nets saga with that big three. We know that KD is going to be KD, but dealing with Kyrie and and you know his consistency, and then Ben Simmons and him being able to to get his mental right, I think there's a lot of questions for both of these teams. So I do agree that it is between the Bucks and the Celtics, and I'm not discount. I know I picked the Celtics. I'm not discounting this Bucks team. I mean Giannis, we. Like you talked about in that playoff series against the Celtics last season in the playoffs, Chris Middleton's absence obviously hurts this Bucks team. We know what he can do. We know what he did when they won the championship two years ago. However, in his absence, Giannis stepped up to the plate, 44 points one game, 25 in game seven. That's 44 in game six, 27 in, in game seven. Like, And it's close games. I mean, not not really too big of blowouts, but – like you said, with Chris Middleton's presence, we know that that would be a much different game. And who knows, that might be the Bucks playing the Warriors in the championship. So I'm really excited to see between both of these teams who's going to come out of the East. But I am staunch and I believe these two teams. So I'm excited to see what the outcome is. Yeah, me too. And just to get back to your point about the Sixers and sort of the Nets as well, I think what separates the Celtics and the Bucks is that they these cores have been together so long that they sort of have the winners intangibles that these that the Brooklyn Nets and the Sixers haven't been able to build with each other. There's always been a story about James Harden and Joel Embiid in the playoffs. Can they do it? Do they have the intangibles to win? But now, we, but we know with the Celtics and the Bucks, they've been together and they've been able to make far runs. With the Nets, they've been able to do it separately, but they've never had the they've never really had the chance to build the cohesion, have the winners intangibles together as a unit. So I think those are I think that's really what's separating the Bucks and the Celtics. Just to sort of clear that point off, but um, yeah, for sure, I think the East is going to be great. And what the beauty of the East is this year is that I think that. There are not, there are not going to be many easy teams to play in the playoffs. Like usually in the East, it's like if you get the one to two to the three, the, the first four seeds, it's like, okay, like the first four seeds are far and away better than everyone else and that they're, they're going to get easy rounds. But in the East this year, it's like you can get the first seed and pay Chicago first round, which is you probably win, but that's not an easy task. Then, you have, then you have Cleveland. Then you have Toronto. And then you have Miami. It's like there's not good. I think those are the best eight teams in the Eastern Conference, and there's no easy – like those aren't easy wins. So I think this is going to shape up to be a great year just with the competitive competitiveness of both the Eastern and Western Conference when you think about the emergence – that the um, predicted emergence of the Pelicans. Then you have the Clippers being healthy this year. Then you have the Nuggets being healthy. Then you have the Timberwolves adding Rudy Gobert. Then you have the Blazers having Damian Lillard back. You can never count out LeBron and AD. So it's just like there's so many good teams in the league. It's like it's going to be a really exciting year. That Pelicans team is going to be scary, especially with Zion being back. Uh, And then their success last year in the postseason without him. So it's always gratifying for a team to make a little run and surprise some people in the postseason 
without one of their key or star players. So to get a player back and have a similar lineup with those key pieces, I think it's very exciting. It's like a, it's like a the light at the end of the tunnel for these teams. Uh, Blake, this has been a great episode. Any final thoughts you'd like to share about who do you think is going to be what's like what's the most exciting and riveting, and what is the better conference this year in your opinion? This year, I have to say, I'm going to go with the East just because we have a lot of new teams, teams that were sort of new last year that came or up and coming. And now that they had that year of cohesion, then we had the obviously Brooklyn Nets experience. You have James Harden, um, Joel Embiid and the Sixers. I think the East is sort of new with the better teams while the West is like, they're the sort of similar teams that are going to be up top, even though they are, even though they are more probably more explosive. So I'm excited for the East to see how the East shapes out. Cause honestly, like we said, like when there's a good, four teams that we can think come out the east well in the west i think it's really coming down to two teams but then you could you can two to three teams so i'm gonna go with the east i agree man i got the east i think there's been a shift of power i think there's even the teams that we haven't talked about in the east that i think have gotten better and improved the hawks i mean the hawks in past Uh, years i didn't even mention the hawks we We didn't even mention the hawks man it's going to be interesting with the addition of Dejounte murray we know that the heat are going to be who they are we know that the Hornets suffered a big loss with LaMelo and things like that. But then you have the Knicks, slight improvement, stealing from the West and getting Jalen Brunson and things like that. Not to discount the West. The West is still going to be competitive. But like you said, I think we can kind of limit it down to a few top-tier teams. But the West also has some sleepers as well. The Memphis Grizzlies. We know that John Morant has put the team on his back. He's continuing to develop as a leader, offensive threat, defensive threat, shot blocker, things like that. The Mavericks. The Mavericks went out. Sure, they lost Jalen Brunson. They added more length. They have a little more stretch bigs and things like that. Three-point shooting. We know that Luka's going to be Luka and things like that. We know that they still have Dinwiddie, who's a sniper from three. So, very exciting overall for the league. Um, I'm not even going to mention my Lakers. Hopefully, they can pull it together. But, you know, I think that, you know, we're just going to see. These are, like we said, everyone, these are early picks. We may, we'll, we'll let you all know in a later episode if our picks do change, but, Use this episode as a reference. You've heard it here first. These are our picks for the 2022-2023 season. Blake, any last words? Um, one quick last word is don't forget about the young talent in the league. We're talking about the Eastern Conference. We have the Detroit Pistons that have great young talent, great young core. That could be an up-and-coming roster. You have the Pacers with Benedict Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton. Some fun teams to watch. And then you have the Magic with Paulo, Jalen Suggs. So although we were talking about sort of the top-tier teams, make sure you guys watch those younger younger teams that could be the future of the NBA. So Amen. that's it for me. And go support our TikTok as well. We're trying to post more content on our TikTok. It's the same as our Instagram handle, at TappinDNB, DNB, Dean and Blake. It's been a good one, man. Take care. It's been a good one. Glad to be back. Peace. Peace.